Hey friends, you're listening to the First Bites Baby Led Weaning and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Hillary McMahon, an early childhood registered dietitian, mom, and your biggest cheerleader when it comes to gaining confidence around serving foods to your little one. If you're hoping to master baby led weaning and help your little one learn to eat successfully, then you're in the right place. I believe that every child may respond differently to food, but that all children have the ability to have a positive relationship with food when given the opportunity. Every week we'll explore practical tips to simplify the baby led weaning process, chat about how to navigate all your baby and toddler mealtime challenges, and help you find the right mindset and approach for your family so you can focus on actually enjoying the process and having fun with this. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to start this episode by saying that I'm a little under the weather, so my voice is a little off today. I'm so sorry about that. I think that this is such an important topic and is something that, you know, regardless of who our family is, how much we love our family and friends, this is something that pretty much everyone deals with in some capacity because family is generally curious and concerned and wants the best for your child and you. And there's a lot of underlying I guess I'll use the word baggage, an underlying um, like self-driven thoughts and desires that come into play with this as well. If you haven't figured out what I'm talking about, basically I'm talking about having these hard mealtime conversations or questioning about your feeding methods or your preferences with your child, body image conversations, all of these things that Now, obviously, these things can happen any time of year, but these things come up a lot over the holidays because we're spending more time with family, we're eating in a communal way at the table. Um, It just all really starts to pop up and come into play at this time of the year. So I think it's important to remember that everyone has their own opinions with food. They have their own relationship with food and what others should do with food, and what should be expected of kids when it comes to food. They have opinions about all these things. And, you know, like I said, the holiday season is just the time when these things surface because they're watching and seeing that a little bit more in the forefront versus just like a video or something, right? But this season, I'm giving you full permission to take charge of what you want for your child at the table and what you want for your child to hear in family conversations. So whether your baby is literally just starting to eat solids or you have a toddler who is showing some strong, you know, signs of choosy or picky eating, someone's going to have a comment about what you're doing while you're at a meal over the holidays. And if not that, then they'll be making some sort of comment about themselves or their own body image issues that your child may pick up on, which is probably also not something that you want them to hear. So now I know we can't fully avoid these things, right? This is life. This is family and friends and just the nature of having differences in opinion. But what this episode is going to be all about today is helping you to navigate really how to handle certain conversations and what that can look like. So I had some examples pulled from last year because I did two Instagram 
reels on this last year, and they were extremely well-received, very popular. I got tons of DMs about them, and I uh, wanted to share them here in the podcast. I also did a poll on Instagram a couple weeks back to get some ideas for things that you're dreading hearing over the holidays. So I can give some feedback on that as well. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a scenario or example of what you might hear at the table and a way you can respond to that. Now, obviously, you know your family and friends best and how that conversation may go. But I think one of the biggest things here is remembering that you are your child's parent and you have a right to want a certain thing or feel a certain way. Um, other people have a right to feel a certain way as well, but they also should be respecting your boundaries because it's your child. So that can look a little bit different in every family, but I think one of the most important ways to go into these conversations is maybe by hearing some examples of how that dialogue can sound and then taking that and adapting it to a way that you view that that family member may feel a little bit more receptive to. I think it's also important to remember that if you go in with a little knowledge and awareness around the topic that you are trying to, you know, present to this person that you're speaking of or thinking of my make make comments, I think if you go in with that knowledge, you'll also feel more confident in how you answer that question, especially if follow-up questions come beyond it. Um, okay, so I'm going to dive into these examples. Um, and then after I give the example, I'll give you a scenario of how you can maybe respond. Okay, so the first one I have here is, is she not going to eat that? Or maybe something like, you're just going to let her eat bread? For something like this, you can say, in our house, we choose what food she eats, but we leave it up to her to decide how much her body needs. Little one's intuition is pretty strong when it comes to hunger and fullness, so we trust that. Or you can say something like, he's used to a calmer eating environment, there's a lot of simulation going on during this meal with everyone here, so it's okay. I know he'll eat what he needs at a later time. We can save it for later. It's totally fine. So again, depending on your approach there, one of those two answers may be a way you can answer those, you know, respond to those types of questions. Scenario number two is someone saying, "Ooh, oh my gosh, she's eating food. Now we can give her pie and stuffing and cranberry sauce. Oh my gosh, I want her to have everything. Like, can I just like give her a little plate of stuff? I see she's eating food. I want to do it. So to this, you can say something like, yeah, she is eating food. We're introducing one food at a time though. And we're pretty conscious about added sugar and how much sodium's in food since her body is so small. So I'll probably be pretty selective actually in what I offer her this year. And then share, you know, what foods you are going to be offering. Maybe it's turkey and some mashed potatoes and some Brussels sprouts. Or you can say something along the lines of, he's had some of those foods before, but not all of them yet. I'll plan, again, to give him blank, blank, and blank. So maybe I'll plan to give him some turkey and sweet potato and green beans. Okay? So feel free to share why you're not doing something, but share also what you are going to be doing and how baby will partake in that meal. I think it's also important to remind family and friends that when a child has never eaten for a very long time before, if they're brand new to this eating process and concept, it's super overwhelming to be eating with like 20 people or 10 people or, you know, even more than what they're used to at home, which is usually just, you know, parents and 
maybe a sibling or something. So help them to understand that and to be aware that like it may not be the best meal for baby to just like dive in and try all these foods because there's a ton of things going on. Okay, number three is someone saying, you know, you're going to make grandma very sad if you won't try my mashed potatoes. So this is kind of that guilt trip, right? A guilt trip to get a child to eat something. So in that instance, you could say something like, in our house, we choose what food she eats. So again, this is similar to tip number one, but in our house, we choose what food she eats, but we leave it up to her to decide how much her body needs. Little one's intuition is pretty strong when it comes to hunger and fullness. So we trust that. Sometimes she'll eat a lot and sometimes she doesn't want it and that's okay too. So giving them that out, sometimes she does eat a lot and sometimes she doesn't want much. So you can use that. Or something as simple as, he may be full and that's okay. Where, you know, and and then looking at your child and saying, it's okay, you don't have to finish it. Kind of giving them, again, giving your child an out depending on their age. You can also be pretty straightforward here. And, you know, again, like I said, saying something to your child. So maybe you say, blank, child's name. That was kind of grandma to make you mashed potatoes, but you don't have to eat them right now if you don't want to. Depending on how you feel the response will be from grandma, you may want to skip that um, if it's going to create like more tension than, than help. But for some families, that may be something that's completely okay to say. Example number four, she should definitely be eating more. She's so much smaller than her cousin was at that age. Or something like, how is he still so tiny? Oh my goodness. In those instances, it's very, you know, body image related. And you can say something like, actually, she's growing really well on her growth curve. All kids grow at different speeds and we in the pediatrician are happy with her growth. So she's doing just fine. Or you can say something like, he's actually right on target with where he needs to be growth wise. So we trust that his body will tell him when he's hungry and when he's full. We provide the food and we let him decide how much he needs. Again, it can be helpful there to understand some of the background, some of these, you know, where I'm mentioning letting your child decide how much their body needs. That is, if you're you're looking for any resources on that, you can check out Ellen Satter's Division of Responsibilities. I'll link that in the show notes for you just so you can get an idea of what that division of responsibility looks like. But essentially what it means is that as the parent or caregiver, we are deciding what and where our child eats and when. And they decide if they're going to eat and how much they eat. So, you know, sometimes looking at some of those background things can help to support that conversation. Because then if you're like, well, how if someone says to you, like, well, why do you let him decide how much he needs? You know, you have some more backing you can go into that conversation with. Okay, number five, give me that. She can't eat that. I'm going to puree that up. I'll take care of it. If someone says something like that to you, you can say, she's actually doing really well with solid foods. We always make sure they're soft enough for her to mash with her gums and teeth and actually insert food that they want to puree. Maybe it's green beans. You could say, actually, green beans is one of her favorites. Or you could say something like, we're doing baby-led weaning, which is where you serve safe forms of whole food. He's doing really well with it, and he's excited to show off his skills to you during the meal. There you go right? Showing that it's going to be okay. I want to show you how he can handle this without puring it up. Scenario number six, this is more body image related from an adult perspective, but someone saying, I'm on a diet. I'm not having that. It's so bad for you. 
So these types of comments often have to be dealt with off to the side out of our child's earshot so we aren't drawing more attention to the diet mindset, right? I think, you know, that is the diet mindset is kind of trending as a thing of the past. It still is present. But if we're trying to teach our kids to have these positive relationships with their body and with food, we want to pull away from that diet mindset as much as possible. So you can say something out of earshot to your child, like, we're trying to teach her that there are no good foods or no bad foods, but rather teach her to eat a variety in moderation. So if you wouldn't mind not making those comments in front of her, that would be super helpful. Or if your child is still present and able to understand and like listening, you can say something directly to the child instead of addressing the adult. And you could say something like, remember that all foods do different things for our body. That's why we eat a variety. Would you like some of this? And offer them the quote unquote bad food in question instead of offering it to the adult. Scenario number seven is someone saying, it was just one cookie. It wasn't really that big of a deal. So this is where, you know, someone's giving something to your child that you really didn't want them to give to your child. And your response can depend on why this upsets you. For some, it's because you don't want them having something with added sugar. For that reason, I'd say something like, I'd appreciate if you asked me first because at her age, we prefer that she doesn't have foods with added sugar. It may have just been one, but this opens doors for more opportunities. And I'm personally not ready for that being given to her if it's not my decision in the first place. Or if it upsets you because maybe you said no or a family member said no and then this family member went against that previous direction and it's kind of like changing the rules, you can say something, again, out of the child's earshot, something like, I had already told him no and we really try to enforce the boundaries that we set, so next time please ask me first without him hearing. Number eight. You need to have two more bites of your green beans before you can have ice cream. This is a super, super common statement from the Clean Plate Club, if you remember that. Uh, maybe sometimes, you know, certain families still use this. But it's just that concept where dessert was viewed as a treat or reward for finishing the rest of your meal. And this is something that I try to pull families away from because that creates the feeling that certain foods are going to be better than others or certain foods are yucky and you have to eat the yucky foods to get to the good foods, right? We don't want to create those labels for food. So a few things you can do here. You can model your preference by serving the ice cream alongside your child's meal, which might seem weird at first, but it actually helps to normalize and neutralize the food as just another food, not a reward. Another thing you could do is again explaining out of your child's earshot to the person. You could say something like, we don't use dessert as a reward in our house and we don't force eating foods to get to other foods. I don't mind if he has the ice cream, even if he didn't finish the green beans, so he's allowed to partake. So yeah, that can be a tricky one. And it can also be something that you notice yourself saying sometimes. So sometimes listening to these reminders can be ways to bring you back to maybe where you want to be. Number nine, Listen, if you don't eat your dinner, Santa's not coming this year. So again, it's kind of a bribey situation. You can say something, again, out of your child's earshot. Like, in our house, we don't use unfinished meals as punishment. We are teaching her that she is in charge of knowing when she's hungry or full. If she wants more later, we can pull these foods back out again, but we don't punish her for not finishing her meal. Or 
If your child gets really upset hearing this, you can absolutely say something in front of the family member saying, Grandma's teasing, and that's not very kind. Santa will still come. Now, are you full? Does your belly feel full? Or would you like more of anything on your plate? So again, it's sort of lightening the mood in the situation, but also speaking to that family member that said something to say, hey, this isn't what we want to do. And then out of earshot later, you can have that conversation. But this statement basically encourages them to check in with their body, right? You're speaking to the child themselves, encouraging them to check in with their body to understand if they are really full. And it gives them control, sometimes which encourages them to take a few more bites because they might realize like, oh, I know there's distractions, but I actually am hungry. And it kind of resets them a little bit. But if they're full, they're full. And that's okay too. Number 10, no, I don't want any of that. Auntie only eats the foods that are good for her, not the bad ones. Again, these comments often have to be dealt with outside of your child's earshot because we're trying to not draw attention to that diet culture mindset. But you can, again, just like in that other scenario, say something like, we are trying to teach her that there are no good foods or bad foods, but rather teach her to eat a variety in moderation. So if you wouldn't mind not making those comments in front of her, that would be amazing. I know you have them yourself, but please try not to like spread that on to my child. Or if your child is still present and able to understand, again, you can say directly to the child, remember that all foods do different things for our body and that's why we eat a variety. Do you want some of this? And offer them the quote unquote bad food in question. If they're wanting it and you're okay with them having it, then share it with them. Number 11 is, it's just a French fry. Can I let them taste it? A lot of times... You know, so this scenario I'm using as a way to share, like, maybe your child's not even old enough to start solids or you are not ready to start solids, but a family member thinks that you should be. So it's important to remember that a lot of times people get super excited to feed babies things, especially when they start showing interest in food or they're like grabbing for it. They're watching the meal. So this often happens around four to five ish months or so even if they're not ready yet. Because honestly, everything becomes interesting at this age to babies like your pen or your phone. But you can say something to your family member along the lines of, we're waiting until six months to feed him any solids because his digestive system isn't quite ready yet and he's also not sitting very well. To keep it simple, you could say something like that. Or if you're talking to someone who is likely to argue back, use a longer answer to explain why you're waiting and pull out your tips for why babies should wait until six months. So something like, actually, babies shouldn't have anything besides breast milk or formula before six months for a few reasons. They're not sitting up well yet. They need to get good trunk, head, and neck control to make sure they can swallow things safely and not choke. Their digestive system is also still maturing, and I'd prefer to wait until her body is ready. And also, she's never had any substances besides a liquid in her mouth, so... She's not yet sure how to handle food, and I'd rather do this in the comfort of our home where it's quieter and she's familiar with her surroundings versus here where it's a busy event um, or here during this busy meal where there's a lot of family and excess stimulation going on. So those are two ways you can handle that. If you need more support on understanding the readiness to start solids, I'm going to link one of my old blog posts for you. You can go and read that if you want to kind of, again, Prepare yourself with that backing of knowledge of what to look for for signs of readiness. Number 12, he's going to choke. He's going to choke. I don't know why you're giving him that. So a lot of times this comes from a place of fear from grandparents or family members because 
they really do have a concern and they have your child's best interests in mind, right? But you can say something like, actually, baby's gag reflex is very helpful at this age to prevent them from choking. The gag reflex is strong still because it's in the center of their tongue versus their throat. So it helps them to learn to keep the food in front of their mouth. He might gag, but I've learned the difference between a gag and a choke, and I'm prepared to handle this if I need to handle something more severe. And leaving it as simple as that. I think sometimes family members need to watch a child with the gagging and handling those foods in their, in their mouth before they're actually comfortable with what you're doing. And that comes from, from seeing it and from practicing it. Number 13, he is too old to be breastfeeding. He'll be nursing when he goes to college. If your child is older and using breast milk as a supplemental nutrient, you can say something like, he's actually doing really well with eating solids and incorporating breastfeeding when he wants. I'm okay with it, and it's providing him with a lot of good antibodies to protect against sickness. Plus, it's great bonding time for us. And leave it as simple as that. And if there's comments, there's comments, right? This is, again, your child. If your child is still using breast milk as the primary source of nutrition, so maybe before they start solids or early on in the solids journey, you can say something like, if I wasn't breastfeeding, I'd be needing to pump, and this is what we prefer to do in our family. It saves the extra step of pumping to bottle and needing to heat milk back up. So I don't want to do the extra dishes and all those things. And kind of keep it light, right? Or offer your personal reasoning for preferring breast milk. That can be something too. Some families have strong opinions about switching to a formula at a certain age or they, they only did formula for their children and they don't understand breastfeeding or vice versa, right? There's a lot of things that come up there. So it's okay to share your personal opinion and how you feel about something. Um, there also may be a very specific reason you're choosing the path you're on, and that's no one else's business. So you have every right to share why or simply say, this just is what it is. Number 14, he can have this. It only has a little butter in it. Meanwhile, this child has a dairy allergy. Okay, so there's the scenario. Um, you can say something like, so butter is dairy, it's made from cow's milk, and he has an actual allergy, which means any small amount of it could cause a severe reaction. We worked with an allergist to come up with a proper diagnosis, and they specifically said to avoid dairy completely, so not even small amounts. We need to make sure his food does not include butter, or any dairy for that matter. Make it sound not like super scary, but severe enough that it makes the statement. Because you don't want this to happen when you're not around, right? Scenario number 15, it's fine. She can have it. So this is a lot of times what I hear when, you know, parents are hesitating and grandparents are like, nah, it's cool. Like, they got it. They can have it. You can say something like, I'm sorry, but that's not something I want her to have right now. I know you may have a different opinion on that, but this is my child and I'd like to have the final say on what is offered to her. If she's offered something, she can choose whether or not she wants to eat it, but I would rather you not offer that until she's older. So again, just stating your opinion, you're the parent, you're the one that has a say in this situation. Or should be the one that has a say in this situation, I should say. Um, number 16, she gets her thighs from our side. I'm sure she'll thin out though. I would pull this person aside, again, out of your child's earshot and say something like, She's actually growing very well on her curve, and all children grow at different paces. We also really try not to talk about her size in front of her. Our culture has done enough damage giving us, as adults, 
parts of our body to hate. And we're really trying to stay pretty body positive for her and her siblings, if this applies, if you have siblings. We're really trying to stay body positive for her and more so talking about how strong she is and what her body can do, not what it looks like. This could also be a great opportunity to mention if you prefer grandparents and family members to avoid complaining about their own bodies in front of your child. I know this comes up a lot in conversations when families together, especially around, you know, holidays that involve a lot of food. Um, So it might be a great opportunity to share your thoughts there. I know we can't shelter them from this kind of stuff forever, but really having people your child looks up to and trusts model body positivity, that can go a really long way when it comes to how we teach our children to talk about themselves. Number 17, and this is my last scenario for you, you're not letting him live by not letting him eat all the sweets. That's the best part. And to this, you could say something like, it's not recommended for kids to have added sugar when they are under the age of two. I understand that there can be exceptions, But at this age, I still try to keep those to a minimum. He's still young and I want the nutrients he's putting in his body to provide nourishment since he still eats pretty small portions. There's no sense in filling him up with something that's not going to serve his body well. Or if you want to keep it short and sweet, you can say something like, I actually do allow ice cream or whatever the sweet is at hand that is, you know, in question. I actually do allow ice cream sometimes, but today just isn't a day when I want to incorporate it. He'll have it another time. I think something important to remember about all of this is that as you navigate these conversations, it's not always going to be easy and it's confrontational, which is hard for a lot of us, especially as women. I feel like being confrontational can feel really scary and hard. And again, it's just important to remember that you are your child's parent and this is your place to stand your ground and share how you feel about it. And if you're not comfortable sharing about it in the moment, maybe you share about it later and maybe you don't fix that right away. You know, some of these scenarios are pretty like immediate fixes, but maybe you bring it up later and say, I really didn't appreciate this piece of conversation and then support that with the information that I provided today as far as, you know, why you don't want to do something or why it's not recommended or what you're doing to actually make the situation more safe, those types of things. Have that backing so you go into the conversation feeling comfortable. And if you don't feel that right away, then again, hold off on that piece of conversation and wait till later when you do feel more comfortable. So I hope these were helpful for you. I I know that this is a hard time of year to navigate these conversations. And sometimes we like go into a meal dreading something because we're like, oh, I know I'm going to get the comments again this year. So if that's the case for you, I hope that these are helpful to hear. And honestly, solidarity, a lot of people experience it. It's a very valid feeling to have as far as feeling dread about having these conversations or hearing these comments. And remember that if you need the support, you can also reach out. I help families in my First Foods Academy and Toddler Foods Academy handle conversations like this all the time because that... It's a big piece of raising a child and being a parent means sharing with others the way we want our child to be parented and explaining that so others can help support us and be that village to support us. Sometimes it creates hard feelings and that's okay. Not everyone has the same opinion as us and we have to remember that, but we also have to be the advocate for ourselves and our child. So again, I hope those are helpful. 
I thank you for listening today. I am so, so appreciative of every listen, every download, every review. That's a little pointer to put in a review if you haven't put a, reviewed the podcast yet. Super quick and easy. You can go to Apple Podcasts if you're not already listening on Apple Podcasts. Submit a review for the podcast. They help the podcast grow much, much more than you possibly can imagine. So thank you in advance if you submit a review. But please, 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 I would love them. I love seeing reviews come through. All right. I think that's it for today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. And if you're listening to this to this outside of the holiday season, I hope that these conversation examples also give you ideas for how to go into every day, right? These conversations don't just happen around the holidays. They can happen any time of year. Um, so I hope that they're helpful in helping you to navigate some of those hard conversations. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here next time. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you're leaving this episode with a little bit more knowledge and a lot more confidence. You know what? You can do this. You can successfully and excitably feed your little one. I'm so here for it and I'm here for you when you need me. If you enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor and share it with all of your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on your social media stories, making sure to tag me at nutrition.mama so I can share it too. Your support helps my podcast grow in more ways than you know. Thanks in advance. If you want even more feeding and mealtime goodness, head over to my website, nutritionmama.com or follow me on Instagram at nutrition.mama with two M's. Thanks for tuning in and I'll meet you back here next week.